Father, uh, this morning, we get the opportunity to enter uh, your word once again. Your word that is living, it is active, it is God-breathed. And so, Father, I pray that your spirit um, within us, dwelling in us, would um, awaken a sense of your glory and your love for us. Your grace that is so amazing in our life. And uh, particularly this morning, when we look to contentment, um, and Lord, I pray that your spirit would uh, remind us of our hearts that are so often uh, not content, so dissatisfied. And so, Father, I pray that we come to you um, uh, with hope and come to you uh, with love for you and eagerness to get into your word. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, for the third straight week, um, here and um, uh, taking some time uh, to read and prepare and rather uh, um, speak what I have been preparing this past week in the book of Philippians. And as we get going in this passage, as you have your Bibles open, as you have your coffees beside you, I want to ask these questions. Have you ever felt discontent? So dissatisfied with something, something, whether it be a little thing or, or a massive thing, have you ever been so dissatisfied or discontent with something that it drives you absolutely crazy? You see, in many places around the world, not just in Canada, but around the world, you can easily find stories of people who are absolutely discontent. As a child, I used to love watching these food-eating contests on television. I really don't enjoy them anymore at all, but I used to enjoy watching them. The most popular eating contest, of course, in the whole world is the hot dog eating contest. How many hot dogs you can stuff inside of yourself in a minute, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour. Each year on the 4th of July, on July 4th, is the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest. And this company, they sponsored this hot dog eating contest. And in 2018, Joey Chestnut won the competition for the 12th year in a row. He set this record for eating 74 hot dogs and buns and buns in just 10 minutes. The second runner-up only managed to eat 51. According to reports from this hot dog eating contest, Joey Chestnut won $10,000 but consumed over 20,000 calories during this eating spree. Now, I think and I'm almost 100% for sure that few of us within our church and possibly in our communities are in danger of eating 74 hot dogs in one day let alone nearly seven a minute for 10 minutes straight. And yet, I think we live in a world where enough is simply never enough. And in almost every situation, we are not content. Many people devote their lives to acquiring wealth and possessions, living with such a focus on the temporal. As a result, rather than living in contentment, they live in this perpetual state of 
dissatisfaction, and discontent. Take our last month, for example, especially the past two, three weeks. In almost every single trip that I've taken to Superstore in the last couple of weeks in particular, I haven't seen any toilet paper, frozen vegetables, bread, barely any chicken or beef. The list can go on and on and on. You see, in a time of panic and anxiety, our level of discontent rises exponentially. And so, for today's passage in God's incredible timing, once again, we end our series in Philippians with this larger topic of contentment. And as we venture into the passage, which will be from the passage that Rebecca read, Philippians 4, 10 to 23, I want us to ask ourselves just a few questions as we enter the word. In a time when we are scattered and not gathered, like we usually are, where in our lives have we shown discontentment? I know I'm assuming that we are discontent, but I'm doing that on the basis of what I already know, as many of us and I have talked over with you on the phone, through text, through email. In most of these conversations, there have been a mix of discontentment. Will it be discontent in how things are going on in the world around us? Will it be discontentment on how your children are doing at home, doing school? Or even discontentment on not being in control of the things around us? Or knowing when everything will seem to be simply back to normal? We are, as sinners, as human beings, typically very discontent people. And I think for the most part, we know this. But unfortunately, we try to answer it with things that don't actually answer our discontent. At some point recently, I think in the last year or two, Netflix put out a show where a woman named Marie Kondo teaches you how to be content by throwing out a lot of your stuff in your house and giving yourself to this what is called a a minimalist lifestyle. The great things about this show and shows like this is that it shows that um, things, that stuff cannot truly answer your discontent, or your contentment rather. However, like all things in this world, this show also falls incredibly short at truly answering what will make you content above all. With that in mind, I want to encourage you to open up your Bibles at this time again. For the last time, at least in the sermon series for a while, let's open up to the book of Philippians. Today marks this rich end of a journey uh, for us as a church. Since the start of a new year, this new year, first Sunday of January, we've been going through this incredible book, this incredible letter written by the Apostle Paul sent to the Philippians, the church in Philippi. And I believe God, through his word, has been helping paint this incredible picture of what it means to be in Christ, that is, what it means to actually be a Christian, while also being someone in this world with brokenness around us and a God who is working in us until the day of Christ Jesus.
from the first verse on, if you open up to Philippians chapter 1, we've been reminded of our identity in Christ. That is, it is one that is given to us, not achieved or given from our work that we somehow do to achieve it, but only through a means of grace given from God himself. This was shown in our first message from verses 1 and 2 as we do a little bit of a review leading up to today's passage. Verse 1 and 2 of Philippians 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the church is set apart. We are of Christ Jesus and we are in Christ Jesus. We are holy people set apart, all of us, whether overseers, pastors, deacons, elders, all of us in Christ with the Holy Spirit indwelling in us are set apart for a purpose. And as the book continued, we recognized that being in Christ meant that we weren't holding on to Christ, but that he is holding on to us. He is holding us fast, as the song we just sang a little while ago said. That we have this gospel assurance based on the promises of God and not a promise from us. But in this assurance, we have a responsibility to let our love abound more and more and more in a way that when we interact with each other and in the world, then people will see Jesus. Later on in this book, we heard this verse that we need to highlight, that we need to underline and circle, that to live is Christ and to die is gain. That whether we are living as we are right now or dying, all that matters is Jesus and the proclamation of him and his goodness. And this good news, we must live lives worthy of it, a reflection of it, as Paul also reminds us. Chapter 2 kept reminding us to refocus our complete desires and thoughts to the life and humility of Christ, who, as verses 6 to 8 tell us, he was being in very nature God. He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Through that humility, we were introduced to Timothy and Epaphroditus, who were humble co-workers for the cause and the work of the gospel along with Paul. In chapter 3, we learn that our ultimate confidence is founded in God because of faith in Christ. That this union with Christ also means that we are justified before God. And that all of our works that we can produce here on earth give us nothing to the confidence we can find in knowing Christ above all things and counting all else as garbage. 
at the end of this chapter, God revealed to us more about our citizenship. That we aren't simply people who live on this earth, but rather our real citizenship because of our union fellowship with Christ is in heaven. And because of that, we look forward with anticipation that day when we all get to heaven to be with Christ fully. Last week, if you were with us, uh, we began, and I know ending this chapter, but we heard these words, which were so fitting for us last week, especially due to the virus around us, and even fitting to us now, verses 6 to 9 of this fourth chapter. It says once again, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. As it is with all of our sermons, um, they're all on our Podbean website, and last week uh, in particular, uh, the whole service is actually on YouTube. And so feel free to go to the channel if you weren't a part of that service last week and to hear the sermon and to sing uh, those songs. Now I want us to review this because it is easy for us to see each passage and each verse as separate because we go through this week by week by week. Sometimes we remember a verse or a couple of verses of a passage but we don't remember the, the greater picture. And so during your week, this coming week, read through the whole book of Philippians. In fact, as I was thinking about this, in this time of self-isolation, I think it would be a great time, as I've been trying to do as well, to get to read a good chunk of the Bible. Even to hear it. I'd recommend there's a few audio Bible apps for your phone that I would recommend using. Dwell Bible app is a really good one. And uh, feel free to contact me if you want more information about that, to even hear the Word of God. I'd recommend reading through the Gospels during this time, the Pentateuch even, the first five books of the Bible. In fact, taking time together as a family, as a couple, reading the Word during this time would be absolutely fantastic especially compared to staying on social media, which is a great temptation for all of us, regardless of what age we are. So as you have your Bibles open, as we begin this message this morning, I want us to search our hearts, to just take a second and think, and truly ask ourselves, are we content with our lives right now? And if not, why? I believe this passage today, this last one in Philippians, helps again paint the larger picture of what true contentment is. And here's the main point of this message so you can see how it all helps paint it. 
The main point is here, it's also in your reflection questions that I sent yesterday. Main point is, God has provided a way to be content eternally. Not just for a few minutes, not just for an hour, a day or two. Eternally. And that is in Christ and Christ alone. All other circumstances in life do not matter because we can be content with Christ. For he is enough. So with this little review of the entire book of Philippians leading up to this point, and with the main point for this message with the big picture, let's read from Philippians 4, verse 10, starting with just verse 10 for now, just that little verse. Paul says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Again, Paul uses the word rejoiced, or at least talking about rejoicing. He shows this, of course, to show his joy about something. And as Paul starts to end this letter to the Philippians, he wants again to bring up possible misunderstandings before they become misunderstandings. He doesn't want to receive another letter back with questions about what he said. Instead, he wants to hear a letter that comes back that tells that they were joyful and not confused. So he begins this verse by saying that he is incredibly happy that the Philippians not only were concerned for him as he is in prison, but that they finally got to renew their concern for him by showing him. Paul makes sure to clear up a potential misunderstanding by saying in verse 11, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. You see, he's not saying that he is rejoicing because he needs the gifts from the Philippians, which is what they have given him, as it says later in the passage. He doesn't need the gifts to make him content, and he doesn't need any money to have him be content. Instead, he has learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And here is where our interest starts to peak. We may breeze through verses, or verse 10, but when we hear that Paul knows the secret to be content, whatever the circumstances, our eyes glue to the page. Perhaps even more when we think of what Paul has gone through up to this point and throughout his whole life as we know it through the scriptures, that he was shipwrecked multiple times, in prison numerous times, and persecuted for the cause of the gospel. We must think if this man who has gone through so much knows how to be content, how can we be content? How can we be content when the world is in panic with a virus that is continuing to take the lives of people all over the world? How can we be content when we can't even get what we want at the store? How can we be content when the playgrounds are closed and we have kids who could really use some time on the playground? How can we be content with watching a panicked world and God seeming like he is invisible? These are all questions we ask ourselves in a world like today 
when it seems so much easier to be discontent because we don't understand what is going on. But today, from Scripture, we have a greater promise for those who trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. Although happy that the Philippians are concerned for him by the gifts that they gave him, Paul wants to point them to a greater direction, as he does very often. He wants to show them that true contentment doesn't come in the form of these gifts that you receive, or even dependent on other things. He elaborates on different situations in his life in verse 12. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. His contentment isn't dependent on being in need or having plenty or being well-fed or being hungry or even having plenty or wanting much. I think he drives right at what usually causes our lack of or for sure contentment, right? We as North Americans generally tend to feel most content when we have plenty. When we have the latest phone, when we have the latest whatever, fill in the blank, or when we are healthy, and when we feel discontent, we feel like we want things. We feel as though we aren't complete unless we get something new or feel something new. But Paul promises that there is a secret to being content that isn't any of these things that we usually think of, but rather something absolutely greater. And with it comes this verse, which many of us know and have taken out of context or misused it. I know I have in the past. Verse 13 says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Or as many of you maybe memorized the verse as this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is one of the most misused verses in the entire Bible. We bring it up and we want to do something hard. We see the giant 50 pound weight and we think, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And then guess what? We can't lift the 50 pounds. We say it and think of it before we do something hard. Perhaps we're going to do something like go up on a stage and speak in front of people. And we're so afraid that we think, I can do all this through him who strengthens me. But this verse isn't about doing something hard or even saying it to expect God to give us what we want. It's about contentment. You see, the all things, or in this version that we're using, the all this is the things that were mentioned right before. Meaning the being content in any and every situation. The secret to contentment is that it isn't finding the strength within ourselves to be content or even to look at the world to help our contentment. But rather, it is to see that it is Jesus who gives us the strength to be content in the first place and through all of it. 
not to be dependent on any gift, support, not to be dependent on whether we are hungry, thirsty, have much or don't, but rather contentment based on being in absolute union and fellowship with Christ. Through that joy that comes in that, it is God who gives us the strength to be content in all situations. This is the secret to contentment, our gospel contentment. For Paul, he again wants to be clear about this in the following verses. Verses 14 and 19 expand on what God is saying through Paul. He says, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that you be more credited to your account. Is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering. An acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Paul's making sure once again that the Philippians know that gifts are not a bad thing. In fact, to give and receive things are not bad in itself. These Philippians have helped fund many of Paul's journeys across Macedonia and other places to plant churches. And so they have truly become a partner in the gospel. We hear of Epaphroditus again, the messenger between the church in Philippi and with Paul, that he brought gifts from the Philippians to Paul. And Paul makes sure to thank them for it, saying they are a fragrant offering, in fact, pleasing to God. But above all, Paul desires that the church's main desire is that they more be credited to their account. The ESV translation explains this a little better by saying, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Paul isn't seeking that they give him gifts upon gifts upon gifts. They don't make him less content or more content. But Paul seeks that the church seeks fruit. You see, what also gives us true contentment is seeing the results of the gospel, the fruit of the gospel, what God does with us sharing the gospel, what God does when we deliver the good news through word and deed. We need to seek the fruit from the gospel even in a time of isolation. And Paul reminds us of something we often forget, that God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. We always have everything we need. In Christ, God supplies us with everything we need. Not everything we think we need, such as that new phone or even an immediate end to the virus. But God gives us everything we need to do his work for our good and his glory. 
And as Paul wraps up this letter to the Philippians, he ends by saying this. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Much like he started it, he now ends this book with reminding us that in Christ we are all God's people because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we wrap up, what does this actually mean for any of us right now? And as we end our series in Philippians, we start a new week. And with our recent decision as a church to suspend services until further notice, what does this mean for us as a scattered church? I think it means a few things. One, it means that we can still be united. Because church unity is not primarily based on us gathering together, but rather on our union with Christ. This is not to say that this is better. This live stream on social media is better than me and Cremona because it's not even close. But Philippians gives us a great focus on church unity. And so we must realize that as God's people, we are brought together because of our union with Christ. That even in a pandemic, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Second, I believe this. It means that, especially in a pandemic, we can express our joy even more about being in Christ. Because it's one thing to express joy about something when things are going well. But what if the church, and our church in this county and beyond, expressed our joy in Christ in the midst of panic, and for many people, suffering? And third, from today's passage. We can be fully content in whatever happens because God will supply our needs. He will give us strength, whatever the situation, to be content in him and him alone. Church, whatever your situation this morning and forevermore, look beyond that circumstance. Whether you have much or little, we must rejoice in Christ. In him and in Christ alone, we have all we could ever want or need. For Jesus is enough, and we must show that to the world around us. Don't pursue the things of the world. Pursue Christ, for only he satisfies, and only he will bring our richest contentment. Please pray with me. Father, it is with celebration uh, that we um, end another sermon series, that you have been faithful through it all. We thank you for this time. I pray that you be with us as we go forward in our um, pursuit of contentment and that we see that it is you who gives us the strength uh, to be content in all situations, in all things. We thank you for who you are and your character and your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen.